Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Dudley Duray. With special guest, Sam Kelly. In a studio in central Chicago, in the state of Illinois, in the United States of America, three men gather to discuss the motion picture, Dudley Do-Right, and ask themselves the question, is this all it was cracked up to be? Why are we here? What is this movie? What am I doing with my life? Now we enter in and discover these three intrepid explorers as they delve into Dudley Do-Right. Do 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 Wrong fucking movie, jackass. Dudley the do right watch out for that horse. Oh my god. God. But it is this movie. This movie is just George of the Jungle, but worse. Yes. Yes. The little the posters literally say from the creator of George of the Jungle. Which is a very sketchy thing to be advertising. Yeah. Because it is it is Based on the same cartoon, is it based on a cartoon by the same guy? <laughs> it is not from the creator of George of the Jungle. The, um, what's his name? Who directed George of the Jungle? Had no involvement in this motion picture. No. Uh, who is who is the director of George of the Jungle? Um, it, I can't remember. I definitely had gotten got by that. <laughs> yeah, I saw it and I was like, oh, well, that's fun. Because George of the Jungle was of of. <clears throat> Of mostly entertaining. Sam Wiseman. Sam Wiseman, more like Sam Dumbman. Am I right? <laughs> nailed it. Um, but no. So yes, um, this motion picture Dudley Do Right um, is based on the cartoon Dudley Do Right. Itself a spinoff of Rocky and Bullwinkle, a show that we have actually covered on this show before. Yes. So this is our second time covering a spinoff of Rocky, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Bullwinkle. Um, because any, um, you know, long-time listener will remember that Stuart and I covered the great motion picture, uh, Boris and Natasha. Well, you didn't do it with the accent. Boris and Natasha. There it is. There um, it is. A movie about the, the funniest two Russian spies um, infiltrating the United States of America as in various costumes. Funniest being a very lucrative term. <laughs> including the eternal favorite, Mr. and Mrs. O'Beef. <laughs> <laughs> Sam. So in this movie, Boris and Natasha, they dress up in like really fat big fat suits, and they're Irish, as one does, with Scottish like they're wearing kilts and whatnot. And they're just like lumbering around, and they go under the name Mister and Mrs. O Beef. <laughs> just, That's so stupid. It took him a half second to click the. But o doesn't beef. it make first, sense? I was like, what are you fucking saying to me? But doesn't it make sense that then this movie is what happens? Yes. <laughs> like you, you think about Boris and Natasha, and then you think about this movie, yes. and it's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. This is Dudley Do Right was ninety nine. Ninety nine. Uh, same year as The Mummy. Yes, yeah, same year as The Mummy. Uh, thank you for listening to that episode yeah. last week. We hope you enjoyed that three-hour-long excursion. Yes. A movie I still have never seen. You've never seen The Mummy? It's true. Oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. Sam. It's a good movie. <laughs> Do you <laughs> see what shirt he's wearing right now? I have, uh, I've only seen... I think Brendan Fraser's movies is the accolades. I've seen The Whale. Did you I've like seen, it? Yeah, it was pretty good. I liked it too. I've seen Dudley Do Right. 
and I've seen Crash, and I think those are the only Brendan Fraser movies I've ever seen. That's a kind of rough lineup. A yeah. very, very broad spectrum yes. of Brendan Fraser. Oh you haven't seen George of the Jungle. Oh, I have seen George of the Jungle. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yes. Actually, I saw George of the Jungle after I saw Dudley Do-Right. But have you seen Younger and Younger? <laughs> I have not seen that. No, no. one's seen Younger No one's seen Or Passion of Darkly Noon. No, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good movie. Um, But no. So this is seven years after Boris and Natasha, yeah, which oddly kind of has some connections with it. Two years after George of the Jungle. Yes. This is a George of the Jungle, Boris and Natasha brainchild. Yes. But the thing is, that's funny, is that this movie does have the same narrator as Boris and Natasha. Yes. Um, Corey Burton, who's just a prolific voice actor, so it makes sense he could. But it is the exact same voice he's doing in Boris and Natasha. And Alex Rocco is in this movie, who plays... Um, he's dear leader in... No, he's the CIA agent in Boris and Natasha. Yeah. The head of the CIA. So there's like this kind of weird <clears throat> J. Ward cinematic universe sprawling right now. And I would like to de delve into that a little bit before we get into this movie specifically. I wish they got Keith Scott to narrate this. Same, same, same one as George of the Jungle. They should have gotten the in a world guy. <laughs> Just like every time he's like, Dudley do right. Yeah. But now, so at this point in the 90s, um, there's kind of this weird resurgence or, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the right, boom in live action adaptations of classic cartoon shows. That sounds really familiar. Because there's Boris and Natasha in 91. Then there's the Flintstones movie. Yeah. Uh, with John Goodman. Oh, yeah. Um, they do, there's this movie, Dudley Do Right. There's the live action Boris or um, Rocky and Bullwinkle with uh, Robert De Niro. Yes. Um, so, Stuart, I think we do have to cover that movie. So, our next show should be called um, You Talk About Me. <clears throat> talking About Me? That was not a good one. What? I think it's great. You Talking About Me? Was that. So, folks, I showed up to Jeff Sweeney's apartment to record this podcast, and he's he... so giddy and so happy because he's like, I got a good podcast name. Dude. Yeah. I'm going to drop it. Talking About Me? You talking about me? Get out! Are you talking to me? Be good. Uh, am good, I missing it, Sam? Be good, De Niro. Am show. I missing something? I, am I missing the joke? I don't. I I I want to laugh. I want to laugh. You got the I, joke right. Isn't the taxi driver? You yeah. Talking to me? Oh, really? <laughs> really? I, I feel like the only reason you wouldn't be laughing right now is if you just didn't get it. No, I. <laughs> I just think Fraser. <laughs> I just think Fraser's that just way more clever. Yeah, phrases you, just you, and all the names we thought of for all the different seasons. Like you talking you about talking me? Talking about what? You talking about me? Not like Robert. The poster, like the the little Robert square, podcast. The or? square image that you folks are looking at in your phones right now. Um, it would be that, and it'd be Robert De Niro like this, and what, it would say, the, "You the, talking about me?" With a question mark. My favorite is because he's like, "You talking about me? What's posh. this?" Sir? I like that he posed. Yeah, without he posed describing without it, describing what after it is. After telling people they would be looking at the square. Yeah, <laughs> we do a video. For this podcast <laughs> but we won't tell you where it is <laughs> you gotta find it's on crackle exclusively oh my god <laughs> you guys actually have to sign up for quibi <laughs> which even though it doesn't exist we still upload to guys alfred molina's in this movie he's great in this movie. i actually read something that sam raimi saw this movie and cried at alfred molina's performance and that's what made him be doc ock you're making this too. shit up well, I'm, i mean i'm the one who wrote it down 
<laughs> Sam Raimi saw it and he's like, that's my auto. That's my I mean, auto. He was snubbed in 99 for an Academy Award. That performance, maintaining that high pitch of a voice for an hour and 20 <laughs> minutes. What I, man could do that? I think Molina is maybe the only one who comes out of this movie with his integrity intact. I would credit it as the launching point for his career. It is oddly like his first like big, big thing. I didn't know if that was true. I was just saying that. Like because his his he's in. I think his uh, feature debut is Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, where he's the Sapito in the opening scene. Oh, who gets uh you know stabbed by the the thing and Indiana Jones is like Sapito. But then um. He does, you know, just a quick little Molina corner. He does a lot of stuff through the 90s. But this is like around this time he does Boogie Nights, The Man Who Knew Too Little, um, and Dudley Do-Right, which are three like, it's Alfred Molina. Like, you recognize this guy now. And from that point on, he's in Magnolia, Chocola, and then eventually Spider-Man 2. Which is the thing that really, like, you know, puts him in the public consciousness in a larger sense. He's he, in Da Vinci Code, right? He is in the. Da Vin- he's in Angels and Demons, I think, the second one. Wait, no, he is. No, in he da is Vin- in Da Vinci Code he's in da because Vinci he's Code. Paul Bettany's dad yeah. in Da Vinci Code. <laughs> you know what is a bad movie? The Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Yeah. I Interestingly like... enough, the book is also terrible. Yeah, Sam. I, I the second Stuart mentioned Da Vinci Code, I knew you'd be seething. Absolute mistake. <laughs> Like I Dan, what Brown, do you think about the sequels? I, I I haven't read them or seen them. The first one was bad enough. Do you know, Ewan McGregor is a priest and he launches an antimatter n- nuclear warhead up in the atmosphere and then parachutes back down to the Vatican and then they elect him pope. <laughs> it's, that's a real thing that happens. That's and not- then and then they uncover that Ewan McGregor was a conspirator in the murder Stuart, of the former pope. I, I remember the name you came up with. It was View and Ewan. Yeah! <laughs> That's good. That's good. Let's go. Um, View and Ewan. That's... Um, but no, that does happen. He does. He launches a new Before we orbit, started recording the hel- podcast. Jumps out of the helicopter as the bomb explodes behind him. An antimatter bomb. Parachutes back into the Vatican. And they're like, he's the new Pope. That's almost exactly the plot of the Avengers. Now. <laughs> <laughs> what if at the end of the Avengers, it was like, it just cut to the Vatican. And you're like... Well, why are we seeing this? And then, like, you see the white smoke coming out, and then Iron Man. Just but he's got, he's like, got the little Pope hat. But it's not the Pope hat. It's an Iron Man version of the Pope <laughs> yes. hat. It's, it's like when that um, nanotechnology forms the Pope hat. But then the fact that they find out that he was, like, he was the main murderer of the former Pope, right? Yeah. And then, like, when they find out about it, he then runs into, like, the catacombs the, and kills himself. The catacombs dumps oil on himself and lights him on fire. And that's how the movie ends. Somehow Tom Hanks is involved in all this. <laughs> I don't know how. You know, in the immortal words of Tim Roth, sometimes you just do things for the paycheck. <laughs> and that's all I can imagine is what happened. <laughs> With angels and demons. As someone said, viewing. hey, Tom Hanks, do you want a metric fuck ton of money? Mm-hmm. We didn't give audience context to the view and you and things. So, uh, like, when you... like. Two weeks ago, no, three weeks ago, you listened to Gods and Monsters. No, two weeks ago, you listened to Gods and Monsters. Yes. Three? Two? Yes. Um, when we stopped recording that one, we were talking about other like podcast name ideas and stuff. And I came up with 
Viewin Ewan for you McGregor. I'm still yes. very proud of that. You should be. It's, it's really good. It's but good then one. we showed up today, and for some reason, like time had passed since then, I could not remember it. Yeah. So that's context for why Jeff remembered the yes. Ewan. Ewan Ewan. That's got to be like. Mm. I mean, we already know what season three is going to be. Yeah. Right, but we're on. Like, we should probably loop back. Um, because we to what Dudley do right? No, we're on. A, <laughs> we're on a really shaky uh, trajectory right now, where we could just end up talking about Inferno for two hours, <laughs> and I don't want to get. There. I have not seen Inferno. I have never seen Inferno, but I've seen the trailer so much. Yeah, because it was in every movie I saw in 2019, and every trailer says it's Tom Hanks. He's like, "We have to get to Venice," <laughs> and then it cuts to a helicopter shot of Venice. That, I remember that. Is that the third in the trilogy? That is the third in the trilogy. I didn't they even know they had made a third one. Here's the thing. There's like five um, Robert Langdon books. Um, the the first two were Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons, and they made those two movies, and then they skipped the third book, yeah. and made a third movie off the fourth book. What's the blue one? Um, the is it the Lost Symbol? Yeah, that one. So Jeremy bought me that for Christmas one year, because I wouldn't shut up about how much I hated Dan Brown. I mean, Dan Brown just like did you know Da Vinci Code's one of the top like five best selling books in literary history well it's, it's outrageous it's, it's grocery store fiction so yeah. it's like you're walking down it the is. aisle you end up in the book aisle it's and an you see thing. yeah you see it and you're like well i guess i'll just buy that okay so sam you got origin origin, origin that's the, the one, one. yeah I, well i i donated that to goodwill like a week later that was i couldn't allow it in my house does any dan brown book end with an actual like mythical thing happening in the book or oh yeah Really? Wait, no, wait. Because the first two books are like, I don't know. Like, you think Angels and Demons. Like, there's going to be Angels and Demons in this movie, and it's not. It's about, like, the political structure of the Vatican yeah. and the Which whole sounds con- like it should rule. Context like, that anti- sounds book. like it should rule. Like, if we, if you guys make a podcast called Brown Out, and it covers all of Dan <laughs> Brown's books, I will read every single one of them to be a guest star on every episode, just so I can talk about it. five-episode miniseries. That could be well, an interlude. No, Dan Brown has done... We could do a, a Dan Brown adaptation show because there's only been three movies. I, I would rather read the books. Okay, the, the books. <laughs> there are five, six, seven, eight books. All all the Robert he, Langdon. He, all right, we're gonna we're gonna run down the Dan Brown bibliography. His first book, Digital Fortress. <laughs> what? In 1998, in the year 2000, he publishes the first Robert Langdon, Angels and Demons. Which Angels and Demons was first? Yes, the book was first. The movie was second. Then in 2001, he does a book called Deception Point. And he then realizes, I'm only going to do Robert Langdon for the rest of my career. 2003, Da Vinci Code. 2009, The Lost Symbol. 2013, Inferno. 2017, Origin. Since then, he has only um, done an illustrated children's book called Wild Symphony in 2020. It illustrated children's book, uh, Reimagining Inferno and Angels and Demons. <laughs> it's like, hey, kids, God isn't real. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, isn't the, the twist at the end of the Da Vinci Code very explicitly that they do find the Holy Grail? Yeah, it's a person. It's like buried underneath the Louvre. Oh. I do you remember whole, this? I thought the I reveal be... in that was that it was a person. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like Mary Magdalene's daughter because Jesus fucked Mary Magdalene. And she's like buried underneath the Louvre yeah, in Paris. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Because there's a pretty good Hans Zimmer track from that scene. Yeah. That I kind of, that like it is kind of a bop. It kind of dope. I don't think I finished either the book or the movie. I only have memories of Tom Hanks walking down hallways and holding that little sphere, that little uh, tube in his hand. Oh, yeah, the puzzle box thing. Yeah, that had a funny name. Turned the, out it was the Apple. Thing. Yeah. 
What it's funny f- that Ron Howard made those movies. Ron Howard is a guy who just does things in Hollywood, and oftentimes they're very good. And then when they're not, you just kind of forget that it was him. Mm-hmm. Like, did you guys know that he had a movie that came out this year starring Colin Farrell, Viggo Mortensen, and Joel Edgerton? And people say it was pretty good. Wait, what well, movie? 13 Lives. It's about like the, the Thai cave rescue. That came out this oh, year? Yeah, it I came did. out this year. Oh, 22. People said, pretty good movie. Or last year, 2020. Yeah. I did know about that, but I had no People are like, pretty good movie, that. and like no one knows about it. I watched the documentary, Yeah, I think. But Ron Howard does have blood on his hands. Because Hillbilly Elegy, oh, 2020. Did that? An adaptation of a book by J.D. Vance, who used the success of the movie... To jumpstart his Senate campaign and is now a far-right senator from Ohio. Oh, my God. I mean, it was impressive how rapidly he rose to, I don't want to say stardom, but, like, no one knew who the fuck J.D. Vance was. Yeah. And then he wrote this mediocre book that was turned into a mediocre movie. And all of a sudden, everyone was like, oh, this... This guy loves this guy loves Donald Trump. We should elect him. <laughs> they did they did it. He's the senator now. That would be like if who's the guy who writes Dilbert? Scott Adams. <laughs> Scott Adams. <laughs> Scott Adams had a cartoon adaptation of his show again and then used that to launch his budding Senate career. <laughs> Scott Dilbert. We live in a world where people politicians use their movies. Yeah. It is funny that Scott Adams owns Dilbert and he just like makes far right Dilbert cartoons now. Like, you open up your, you know, your grandparents' newspaper you're visiting, and, like, you see, like, Dilbert, and it's, like, Dilbert, like, opens the mail, and there's just, like, he's, like, oh, they use taxes or whatever. And then you go in, like, Scott Adams' well, but it's Dilbert, and he's, like, writing QAnon slogans on the wall <laughs> or something. He's at the Capitol marching. He's at, 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 he's just a little Dilbert, his little hair. He's like got his feet kicked up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, guys, I think we should do the right thing here. <laughs> do, do the right thing? I'm not okay with what just happened. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> this is too much. All right. So I think we got to do the, do the right thing. Yes. Okay. This conversation has been a dud. <laughs> Dudley, more like... All right, so, all right. so we're gonna, we're <laughs> Jeff, gonna, keep up. <laughs> we're going to go back. So I talked about how, you know, there's, like, the run of J-War of, like, was cartoon adaptations. <laughs> Gracefully, society realized a bad idea at this point. I think the only one of these movies that, like, between Boris and Natasha, Rocky Bullwinkle, Flintstones, this, we'll, th- we'll lump the Super Mario Bros. movie in this, even though it's a video game. But it's like in that thing of like, oh, let's just take these old things and turn them into movies. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is in that gang too. Teen- around the nineties, right? I wouldn't. I don't think I'm going to count Teenage Mutant Ninja. Actually, no, I would. Space Jam also in this. Yeah, Space Jam's in this. We are going to eventually cover on the show. I think maybe the one good version of this thing, and it's Looney Tunes back in action. God, that was 1990. Was yes, holy. Like God. The, that ten year period. Thankfully, society realized. Okay, this was a mistake. Let's not do this again. Um, but yeah, that's that's where this movie fits in. This movie's directed by Hugh Wilson, who has previously directed the motion picture Blast from the Past, that came out the same year as this he movie. Wrote Blast from the Past. I don't. I think he directed it. As did well. he direct it? He did. Okay, I looked that up too, and I thought it was he just he, he just, was the writer of um. Wait, no, I'm getting that wrong. 
He directed Blast from the Past and Dudley Do Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. He goes really in on Fraser, does two movies with him back to back, come out the same year. I can only presume they filmed them basically back to back. 99? In 99. Man. Yeah. Jesus. Bigger for Fraser and Hugh Wilson adaptations. And then this movie is such a colossal disaster. Hugh Wilson only directs one more movie called Mickey, um, which is a a low budget drama um, that he co writes with John Grisham. Stars Ew. Harry Connick Jr. It makes two hundred thousand dollars at the box office on a six million dollar budget. Amazing. Um, and then Hugh Wilson never works again, and then dies of lung cancer. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> he is rightfully punished. <laughs> he is punished for his transgression. <laughs> what a legacy to leave behind. Like, but you can essentially say this movie is the is the end of his career. Yeah. He makes a movie called The First Wives Club that is a, a pretty moderate success. And that's what gives him, you know, the kind of clout, the blank check or whatever you want to call it to make Blast from the Past and Dudley Do-Right. The, the blank same. check to make Dudley Do-Right. Yeah. And then it's fucking over for this guy. He never works again. Uh, kind of sad, but at the same time, you know, whatever. But it makes it even more weird then that it's all capitalized on the creator of George of the Jungle. Yes. It's like, well, they're not going to be like, from the director of Blast from the Past and the First Wives Club, Dudley Do-Right. And, you know, like, I can I can see why this movie gets gets made and gets funded at the budget that it does, which is $22 million. Hmm. It's that, you know, George of the Jungle, big success. They're like, okay, um, what we what can we do? We can, uh, you know, what else we got? What else we got? And it's like, all right, Dudley Do-Right, that's a character. Brendan, you were great in George. You want to do another one? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. You work with Hugh Wilson again. You liked him in Rust in the Past. They're like, yeah, sure. And that's what he does. And that's how this movie gets made. Because, you know, Brendan's in a hot streak right now. Yeah. George the Jungle worked out really well for him. It jump-started his, like, big A-list star career. And in the same year, he's going to do the movie. Yeah. And so clearly, like, he worked, like, working with Hugh Wilson. Blast in the Past was a good experience. George of the Jungle did a lot for him. He's like, yeah, I'll do Dudley Do, right? Let's figure it out. You know, I've, uh, I'm Canadian, and my great-grandfather was a, a Mountie. This is a true story. Brendan yeah. Fraser's great-grandfather is a Mountie. And he's like, yeah, this, this will be exciting. We can, we can do this. And I can only presume that's why Fraser gets involved in this movie. And to this day, he has said he regrets this deeply. Yeah. Um, and when we talk about the movie, we, we can explain why. Well, that's the uh, thing is, when we talk about this movie, how the fuck are we going to talk about this movie? Yeah, this movie basically doesn't have a plot until the last 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, at first, I mean, if you want to look at it under a real deep micro, uh, real deep microscope, it's at first it's a critique of capitalism. <laughs> at first. And then you think, at some point, the people are going to rise up and seize the means of production back from Snidely Whiplash. <laughs> But instead, it's just the cops who show up at the end <laughs> and, and return everything to national to 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 you know order, well, then, and then the movie just kind of ends, yeah, without any resolution, and with a really really bad but almost fury like tank battle scene <laughs> that occurs in the final five minutes. Yeah, this, this movie kind of kicks it to eleven at the end, and it's also like you mentioned, like themes of capitalism. It strangely also then ventures into imperialism. Yeah, somehow. it the movie pivots so quickly. I mean, it it definitely it definitely predicted the rise of Blackwater and the use of private military <laughs> when invading other countries. Um, and then it kicks us back to the early 1400s when 
Columbus first sailed over and stole the land from indigenous people who I believe back then were also all played by white people. Um, <laughs> they're they're look, a Brooklyn tribe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do say they're a Brooklyn tribe in this movie. Okay, I missed that. One of them is it's, Jewish. <laughs> I was so confused. Yeah, the, the chief, yeah, whose the name ch- is, is Chief. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with his big glasses. And then at one point, they name only one other indigenous character I know his name is standing, standing room, room only. <laughs> and actually, you know, what? if I'm being quite honest, they could have cut every scene that had to do with Native American dances, and the movie would have made just as little sense as it does. <laughs> it would have been the same with thing. With those scenes. The Kumquat tribe. <laughs> it, it seemed like they needed a way to fluff out another 20 minutes of movie so it could be considered for its Academy Award or whatever. <laughs> Award it run. is an hour and 20. It is crisp. It's not long. No, it's not long. And that is with a 10-minute cartoon intro built in. We haven't even talked about that. <laughs> I, I kind of think this movie is going to be a lot more fun to talk about than it was to watch. Yeah, that's probably I'm going to come true. out at the end of this episode and be like, was that good? I <laughs> and then watching it and be like, nope, nope. No. I had to like force myself to leave my phone on the couch and watch the screen <laughs> so I could understand what was going on and take notes of which I did not take very many because there's nothing to write about. <laughs> I want to, I want to paint the picture for how we started this movie. So like I, me and my girlfriend were watching both of these movies together, oh, the, the mummy and, um, uh, uh, DDR, DDR, DDR. <clears throat> Do no, <laughs> not you're not. It, accurate. I will ratify DDR. Yeah. <laughs> ratify DDR. Um, and so we watch the mummy first chrono- chronology, and then we go to Dudley Do Right. And like, I look up like brief like research into it, and I see like, oh, like creator George of the Jungle. Like, okay, so Jay Ward. Oh, like Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, okay, so Boris and Natasha, kind of like that. So I start it, and it has like the cartoon intro. It starts with like a J Ward cartoon. Now the the fox, the locks, and the box. Yes, and I'm watching this, and my girlfriend's also watching this, and she we had both never seen this movie before, and she's like, "Did you hit the right movie?" And I'm like, "I think so." So I pause it, hit menu, and go back to my Amazon Prime, and sure enough, yeah, like Brendan Fraser's on the posters. I'm like, "I'm watching the right movie." So I'm like, "Maybe there's doing like a cartoon intro." So I hit play. The cartoon goes for like 10 minutes and it has nothing to do with the movie. It is a standalone J Ward cartoon for why? I, I Well, so here's the thing. Is that a lot of like J Ward cartoons would play before movies in the um, you know, 60s when they were popular and whatnot. Like Disney cartoon, every Disney movie would have a cartoon before it, like, you know, a Mickey Mouse short or whatever. And the Pixar movies always had a Pixar short before them. And that's what this is. Um, it's trying to get back to that. This movie actually got a lot of credit because this is the first time in like 20 years that J. Ward's studio had pumped out a new short. The problem is that, you know, you go to the theater and you see the cartoon pre-real, like it's before the movie. Right. When you, the movie then comes to streaming, uh, rental, DVD, whatever, it's a bonus feature or like a separate thing. Right. When you watch Bugs Life, the do du- the two old dudes playing chess isn't baked into Bugs Life. Yes. No, it's, you have to go through the DVD menu and yeah. you find it and right. you get to have fun. Yeah, yeah, Jerry's game. It's good. Yeah. It's great. And short. when you see it in the theater, it's fun to have like the pre wheeled cartoon. Yeah. But you've already established that with twenty five minutes of previews as well. Yes. So there's already been a theme of short content yes. going into the And then this is like the appetizer before you finally get to the main course. Right. This but I didn't movie. I order an appetizer. 
What? I said, but I didn't order an appetizer. You're damn getting one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. You are fucking getting an appetizer yeah. with it. Yeah, but the thing is, this is baked into the real. Like, yeah. You, I rented this on Prime, and like the, it's just like I'm watching the cartoon, and there's no like warning that the cartoon's part of this. I'm like, all right. All right. And I was very behind watching this. I actually skipped the cartoon. <laughs> I just simply did not have the time. Well, like, I, I kept thinking, like, where, when is this going to, like, cartoon going to turn into, like, a George of the Jungle-esque cartoon transition, like, intro? No, it is a separate cartoon. It, yeah, it just ends, and then the, the Universal, Universal logo, logo comes back, back up. Comes back. And you see Brendan Fraser, like, oh, oh, okay, I guess we're in it. And that was part of the confusion for me, because I having not seen this movie in like 15 no probably 25 years no not quite that long but i was probably six so a little more than 20 years and so i remember rocky and bullwinkle being in this movie so (laughs) which is just not true (laughs) so i see the cartoon and i'm like oh great this is like this is this is the part that bridges the animated universe into Right. Like the actual universe. Except that bridge never comes. No. The cartoon just ends. And once again, you're told, this is a universal picture. (laughs) (laughs) No apology for making me head watch that. Or making me think what I thought. And then all of a sudden, we just, we don't see a cartoon again for the next hour and 10 minutes of movie. No. It's all live action. The movie is an hour and 20 minutes total. Yes. From Amazon Prime. So presumably, you watch this 10 minute cartoon. I don't actually. I didn't actually time the cartoon. I don't know if it's ten minutes. I think Give it's about take. seven or eight. Yeah, and the credits are about five. So this movie is about an hour five minutes. Five minutes long, ba- barely a feature. Yeah. Barely a feature. It's kind of a blessing. <laughs> oh, I mean, I I I could not have handled if there was thirty minutes more on that movie oh. to really flesh out the the quote unquote plot. <laughs> I don't know if I could have made it to the end. It was the saving grace of this movie that we didn't have to endure for too long. Yes. What if it was like Avatar: The Way of Water length, <laughs> and there's like a twenty minute sequence in the middle of Dudley just riding his. I horse. would have put in my wrench and be like, "Fuck it, I'm done." <laughs> Funny you should say, compare it to Avatar Two: The Way of Water, because there was some very familiar imagery as Snidely Whiplash and his motley crew were barreling towards the island, the reef rather, um, in their boats. And all I could think was how James Cameron must have seen this movie and thought I could animate that better in 23 years and he did it <laughs> he fucking did it and he did the this movie does end with like a full military sequence like there's a, a machine gun an unprecedented military sequence there's <laughs> yeah. only been one gun in this movie the entire time well the, i mean i guess there's like the the his crew of of bank robbers with yeah. their little revolvers but a gun only goes off a couple times when he's shooting the gold into the rocks all around <laughs> yeah. in order to, to start the new gold rush. A scheme then, that we must talk about. And then he convinces all the people that all the people come to, well, I guess seize the Whiplash means of production from him. Yeah. They come to Whiplash City and he talks them down and then we never see that army. And then all of a sudden they're fully kitted like Navy SEALs <laughs> in boats showing up like D-Day. <laughs> On the beach while a bunch of Native Americans stand shooting fireworks back at them. And rocks. And rocks. <laughs> and there's a great line in this movie where it's like, it's like, man, like they have all these rocks and all we have are these machine guns. <laughs> it what tanks. Is this fucking movie? It tanks. There, the only thing that was missing was an airstrike. <laughs> it's true. The only thing that was missing was an airstrike. Yeah. <laughs> Jets come in and bomb the shit out of them. I might have liked this On movie. Dudley. I might have liked this movie. 
Oh my god. Uh, how does this movie begin? It starts with three kids playing. Yes. With a with a horse, a small horse, a pony, as you would. And it's Nell. Nell's Nightly Whiplash. Nightly Whiplash and, and Dudley, Dudley Do Right. Dudley, like once he's like. My destiny is to be mounted one day. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, you're five, buddy. Let's not talk about that. Jeff, what the fuck? And I'm like, it's all right. I'm like, all right, buddy. Let's let's kind of roll it back a little bit here. Be a mountee. <laughs> he says mounted. He wants to be a mounted. And then Nell is like, oh, how can you have those dreams? And like the that dent. The dynamic is immediately set up that he and Snidely Whiplash, which is just a name, are fighting for the affections of this girl, Nell. The kid playing Snidely Whiplash, a better actor, I would say. Yeah. The kid playing Snidely Whiplash, kind of good, because he's like, I'm going to be the bad guy. I want to be the villain, because bad guys have all the fun, get to do the cool things. Bad guys wrong. get to do this, and he kisses the girl and version And then of shoves Nell. an ice cream in Dudley's face. Yeah. The thing that's funny, when I was a kid, I always played the villains. Whenever I had games on like the playground with my friends, I always played the bad guy because I like playing the bad guy. You were always the person who was it on freeze tag. Like, like if we had like a, a narrative game, yeah, you know, like it's like you know we're playing Pokemon or whatever in the yeah. in the the schoolyard. Like you're I would always, be the bad. You're guy. You're Gary. We were we had our Rocket. we had our own story. I was Team Aqua. I think it was like whatever. Oh, that's right, Team Aqua. You're you're an early two thousands kid. I'm, I'm not whatever. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Heavily back in my day, yeah, by, by the themes of Dudley yeah. Do Right as a child. Yeah, but I, I was like the Snidely Whiplash style kid. You've seen this movie before? I've not. No. So I'm the only one. So I, I was uh, talking to Stuart on the way in, and I had said I've seen Dudley Do Right like maybe ten times. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, when you're a kid. And how's your life now? <laughs> I mean, look where I am. <laughs> I'm here talking about it. Um, I mean, when you're a little kid, the whole stepping on the plank gag that hits him in the back of the head over and over again, hilarious. He can't sit in a chair. He can't hilarious. sit. He's cursed to never sit in a chair. Never sit in a chair. His horse, hilarious. But then you watch it as a 29-year-old, and you realize, A, how stupid it is, and B, how accurate its depiction of the hiring of police officers is, <laughs> both in the United States and America. Um. And then he just never recovers. Yeah. He just never, never wisens up. <laughs> nope. And contrary to how it works in the real world, Dudley Durai gets fired for incompetence from his job, <laughs> only it, to be brought back later. For doing the right thing? I, I don't know. But that's the thing, is the movie says he's not. And all, all briefly, he is Dudley Do wrong. Yes. Yeah. That is like the plot that that is ostensibly the plot of this movie is it, Dudley becoming Dudley do wrong. And it's what he does wrong that ends up getting him his job back. This movie has fucked up ideas about the police. <laughs> or about really just morals in it's general. It's like sometimes you got to be a bad guy to be a good guy. Also like I'm really interested in how like the the schematics of the Canadian Mounties work. Um, is it really just one Mountie per town? Is I, that, would, I would doubt that. Very. Well, actually, but I they mean, get a whole fort to themselves, it, and a Tommy gun and a horse. The fort, the fort was a nice addition. Yeah, I'm looking it up. I'm looking up Canadian but, mounted. I mean, I suppose when you're out in when you're out in rural America, there's one sheriff for a county. I guess so. Yeah, he is kind of like just like the one sheriff in a way. 
Uh, but after the little kid scene, we go into this montage of like little Dudley Durek growing up and putting on the uniform and wanting to reach the destiny of being a Mountie. And he does. And then we come back and we see Brandon Fraser as a Mountie. Um, Jeff. Yes. I, I begrudgingly feel like we have to go there already. You want to talk about it? I think we got to talk about it. Cue the hair ranking music. Welcome to the hair ranking. So here's the problem, gentlemen, friends, comrades, brothers. Um, I'm looking at any any photo I can of Dudley D-Wright. He has his fucking hat on the entire time. I can't really see his hair. He has it off when he becomes Dudley Do-Wrong, I believe. Yeah. I'm trying to look at like a photo of him without the hat on, and I'm having a rough time finding one. Uh, okay. No, I found it. I think I found something. It's just regular hair. Nothing to write home about. Nothing, nothing to really go crazy about. That's that's kind of what it looks like. Isn't that what he always looks like? Well, I mean, he, he's got some movies where it's got better hair, uh, a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like just pretty casual hair. So it, I'm gonna go to the ranking. Let me uh, Stewart's Almighty hair ranking list. Let's put it. Um, above let's put it above passion of darkly noon below glory days it's gonna be a number a new number 13 new number 13 there's some of him as a mountie with his hair down yeah it's just kind of whatever kind of like a mop was placed on his head yeah a little bit it's not that great a little moppy oh i forgot about this when he's riding the horse backwards as a child hilarious (laughs) Um, your neighbors are having a fun time. Yeah. Okay. So I looked it up. So Canada has a, a strange law enforcement uh, structure. So yeah. it doesn't have a like dedicated like criminal activity investigation, <clears throat> like like an FBI. Yeah, it doesn't have like an FBI, and it doesn't necessarily have like police laws. Like it's up to provinces to employ and, like, figure out their own police services. The federal government does employ the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, which are the Mounties. It's a federal, like, run system that, with different provinces and cities, can, like, ask the federal government to establish Mounted Police, like, presence in their area. Gotcha. But it's not like in America where every single, like, city has, like, the police force that reports to like the state police and who reports to the federal government bureau or something. It's a it's a interest it's a weird system, but yes that that's how Dudley gets his job. Um, that that's where he's working. Glad we figured that out. Yes, very glad because I feel like everyone wanted, everyone needed to know that. Yeah. Uh, so we get to Brandon Fraser as a Mountie. Yes, and with his horse, horse. Yeah, who with farts his a lot. horse, horse who farts a lot, and yeah. I, I can only raspberries. I can only I don't know how you guys will speak on this, but like I can only describe the next few minutes of like Dudley being Dudley, just being goofy and hitting board planks and falling off chairs and Pratt falls and fart jokes and yeah. all that good stuff. Meanwhile, Alfred Molina, which the reveal of Alfred Molina as as Snidely Whiplash, I was like, Okay. Is this movie about to do something? And then I am quickly punished for that. No. <laughs> that uh but I mean, I think he does what he no, can. No, he's good in this movie. He's, he's actually pretty good. He does all right. Um, 
And so... Because he, he commits to a thing. Well, and, he's, and he does yeah, the thing. Like, Snidely commits his plan right away at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. First he thing he does, he robs a bank uh, with his dudes. And then... Wait, good bit here. He goes in the bank and he's holding... He has a gun at the bar at the, the bank teller. Yeah. And they're like, how much do you want? And he's like... Let me get the rest of my guys in first before you give us anything. And like it cuts to this wide angle shot outside, and there's like just like this um, fifty guys. It looks this, like a Costco on a Sunday yeah, like morning. Yeah, this, this funnel of, just... of of bank robbers all trying to pile into the bank, but they won't all fix. There's so many of them. Yeah, and they've got there's got as many guns as possible are pointed yeah. out and above. Yeah, at the tellers. Yes, this teller would explode if they were all fire ones. Uh, but they rob the bank and get yeah. all the money and gold. Yes. And then they go back to their hideout and somehow Snidely Whiplash... Has absconded with it all. Yeah. Tricks them and like throws in the suggestions. Like, I think Snidely Whiplash, him being himself, but tricking them, is in fucking... I don't know. Where does he... He sends them to like all over the world. To yeah. go look for him. He sends yeah. them... He says that, that Snidely... He heard that Snidely went to the Sudan. Yeah. So... All like two hundred of these bank robbers run out to get plane tickets to the Sudan to like get. <laughs> Only about half of them will return. Yeah, and then Snidely enacts his plan where yeah. he takes the gold and like breaks it up and puts it in the river. Well, well, you forget his, that he also coerces a mortgage broker into giving all of the mortgages to him. Yes, right. So he can force people off their land. Yeah, instantaneously. Without it, any reper repercussions, it's established that he. It says like Snidely had a date with a really big had a date with a mortgage broker and a really big train and it cuts to a train coming around the corner on the front of the train. It says really big train. Yeah, and he's like Snidely, who like has like the curly mustache and the top hat, has the mortgage broker tied up on the tracks. And you run into your classic trolley problem. Yes, do we let the man die, <laughs> or do we steal all of the mortgages from him? <laughs> right. <laughs> a classic, a classic problem that we all debate with to this day. And so he gets he gets all the mortgages, and he now owns um, Semi Happy Valley. That's the name of the town. Yes, yeah. Semi Happy Valley. He renames it Whiplash City. A better name. And like I tell you guys, I was getting some whiplash when I saw what they were doing to this town. Good, good. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. Thank you. That's, you liked it. Yeah, that was good. Hey, you're doing good. Thank you. Doing good job. <laughs> Um, I do want to quickly shout out. Um, I like you need a bag of treats here. <laughs> I do want to quickly Every shout out. He makes um, a joke like this. The, the number like um, Molina's like number one henchman, uh, played by Jack Keller. Um, Homer. Yeah, Homer. Oh, Homer. He's one of my favorite like bit character actors in movies. He's the uh, he's the bit he's the dude's landlord in The Big Lebowski, who's like hey, tomorrow's already the tenth, dude, <laughs> and then uh, is performing um, artistic dance later in the movie. He's also in Men in Black 2 as the pizza shop owner who gets split in half at the beginning. Oh, wow. He's just, like, one of those, like, great character actors who I always get excited when he pops up in a thing. Yeah. Because he always comes in, he does his, like, you know, New York thing, and then he's like, usually cast out of the movie. Yeah. He gets a paycheck. Yeah, he gets... And he's good. He's good in this movie. I liked him. Yeah. I liked him and Molina, and I was very questionable about the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he ties the broker up on a train track. It's like, you're going to give me all the mortgages and all the property and deeds. And yes. Uh, and, uh, and then he, I don't, I don't know if he kills the guy or not, but then he, yeah, runs all the people away from his house. Like you, like 
you're not our banker. It's like, well, this piece of paper says I am now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big fancy document with the word mortgage just printed out right across yeah. the top in big block letters so we can read it really quick. I mean, the props department just went to, you know, Canada's state house and got a yeah, real mortgage. Had a good thing. time. Yeah. Uh, is this when he, then he puts shit in the river and starts shooting it? So then he's in the cave and he's shooting his little gold bullets into the wall and he gets stopped by... Well, he he accidentally causes a cave in. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. right. And he's he's crushed by a large by a large block. And this will be whiplash. the first time that he suffers life threatening injuries, but somehow walks away completely unharmed. Clambers <laughs> out of the rock pile. Mummy style. Yeah, because Dudley hears this and he's like, "The cave in. The cave's collapsed again." And I'm like, "Well, maybe you should board up the cave, buddy." It's like all those kids played in the cave again. Yeah. Like, have kids died at this cave? Yeah. What are you doing? And so he uh, he pulls the rocks out and pulls Snidely. He's like, Snidely, whiplash. It's like, oh, yeah. And do we have our right. classic hero villain uh, first encounter. It's like, what are you doing out here? And it's like, I'm hunting vampires. That's actually what he Yeah, says. he does say And that. Dudley do right, being an idiot, cursed to never sit down, believes him. Yeah. <laughs> and goes back to his fort. Terrified, hiding away in his little fort, of which he is the only man inside. Yes. <laughs> hiding from the vampires. Uh, with a fiery steak and a garlic pizza. Yes. That is what he that's what he has to ward them off. Uh I think this is when Nell shows up. Well, oh, we also learn though in that interaction with Snidely Whiplash that um, again, because Dudley Durrett's an idiot, he's told that gold bullets will also kill vampires. Yes, yes. Which is why he's shooting gold everywhere. Yes. So, Snidely's plan, which we see enacted before Nell shows up. Like, we see Snidely, like, Snidely, like, takes over the town while Dudley is hiding from the vampires. <laughs> That's a real <laughs> sentence um, that we have but, to say. So, Snidely's plan is that he now owns all the mortgages in the town. And all the gold he stole her that he could probably sell for, like, millions of dollars. Yeah, more money than he could. He's not going to do that. He's going to melt it down, break it up into small chunks, load it into a shotgun shell, and then go around and shoot it into the riverbed and caves. And then he's going to find a homeless prospector, <laughs> played by Eric Idle, and tell them, Dig here for gold, yeah, see? <laughs> He's like, this is technically my property, but I'm going to let you have the gold. You're yeah. going to be famous. You're going to go on Regis and Kelly Network Ray. Network TV is what he says. Yes. And then we discover in the next scene that it's Regis and Kelly. <laughs> and so he quickly, the, we cut to Eric Idle on Regis and Kelly. Regis is there. All cleaned up in a nice suit. Regis is like, all right, yeah, yeah, it's great. Tremendous. You found the gold. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. I did, I did find the gold, didn't I? Did I did find the gold. Yeah, um, it's quite, quite amazing. And so this is when the the dastardly nature of um, the plan is unveiled. And we discover that his plan is put gold in to cause a gold rush. Yeah. So people come to Whiplash Valley and spend their money on all of his businesses that he now owns mortgages for. Yeah. And that the, is the scheme. And and the scene at the... He could the, have just sold the gold. At the... And bought the town anyway. It the, gets worse, though. The scene at the Canadian border, where yes. you have just, like, the one border okay, patrol good scene. guy. Good scene. And you just see a flood of cars just rushing Hundreds through. of cars Immigration, appear at the border. Not a problem. They just start bur they 
blasting. I need to see your passports. 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 And they just blast through. They do not give a fuck. Yes. <laughs> and they do not present their passports. Yes. No, they don't. Uh, the plan succeeds and, you know, the town becomes overrun by tourists and gold diggers and prospectors. Yeah. And there's a funny joke where it's like, man, like we ran out all the Canadians, but we have a bunch of Americans here. It's like, well, that's because Canadians think about the things they do before doing yeah. it. <laughs> I'm like, ah, it's got yeah. us. That's Classic it. Canadian propaganda. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic. Not the, true at all. This is when Nell comes in. Yes. Sit, played by Sarah, Sarah Jessica, Jessica Parker. Parker. Does she come in before or after the villagers come to the fort and oh, demand right. that Dudley get, him, get <laughs> their property after. back? I, after. And then Dudley says, well, as a police officer, I can't help you get your property back. And so he doesn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, do you guys know about the vampires? He's like, the what? Yeah, I'll... All these villagers are like desperate. Yeah. And Dudley's just like, fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> I'm hiding for the vampires. Uh, but when his, his uh, you know, his, his attempted uh, love interest shows up, that's when he's like, you know, ready to. Right. It's he, when Sarah Jessica Parker, who. Yeah. Like. Is present. Is she there. She came to set. She, she got a meal probably. Is delivering lines <laughs> in front of the camera. Yeah. Occasionally to Brendan Fraser. Yeah. That's pretty much all I could say about it. I don't know what she's doing in this movie. Um, is she Canadian? No, I think she's just there because uh, she's attractive, and um, that, yeah, Friends is on. I mean, no, she, she's not. Sex in the City is on at this point. Um, and they're like, yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker. This will bring a name. Yeah, this will uh, bring people to the theater. Yeah, see, see Dudley Durey with Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> Um, but no, they have a whole interaction where he's like, are you a vampire? And she has to like, oh, he gets the way he finds out that she is actually now is he sings a song. Um, and she's like, when I'm calling you, oh, yeah. will you call me too? Uh, which is some old Rogers and Hammerstein song that I. And very briefly, I thought I had made a mistake. <laughs> Because I thought this was going to be a musical. Because this is only like 15 minutes into the actual movie. Yes. Maybe 20. Yeah. Which is, as we discussed, a third of the way yeah. through the movie. Uh, I don't know what happens after this, guys. They go to the um, the, the Brooklyn tribe. Mm -hmm. The Kumquat nation. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, where all the uh, Native Americans are played by extremely New York people. It's like Alex Rocco is the uh, the chief, and he's like, "Hey, what's the big idea? You know, I'm Mo Green. You know, I built Las Vegas." And they're like, "All right, Mo, all right." This is a very cringy scene. Yeah, it was. I was like, "Oh my god!" And they're at, like a musical theater production. Yeah, there's like a musical, th like one of those like shows that you go to see when you're like on a road trip with your parents when you're really young, and then you realize how problematic the whole thing was many years later in life, and you're overcome by guilt. Yeah, it's um, like that, but in a movie. Yes, but in a movie. <laughs> A movie that we all chose to watch in 2023. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that we decided um, we would spend time money on, in fact. Yeah. Um, we give this thing, between the three of us, that's $12. Maybe it broke even. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe uh, pull a brain candy. That's where we get the uh, classic, uh, oh, you can talk to my other uh, tribal man, uh, standing room only. Yeah. Oh, man. It's good. It's great. It's... Jeff is weeping. It's great. Um, <laughs> but um, 
Nell is not convinced to stay with Dudley, and she goes off with Snidely Whiplash. Bitch. <laughs> um, because she likes bad boys. She does. She's a classic Sandy. Yeah. Meanwhile, world. at the same time, um, Snidely's henchmen come back, Homer and the like. And they say, like, Snidely, you tricked us. Yeah, and he's like, we went to Sedan. You weren't there. And he's like, where's the other? Where's the rest of you? And he's like, um, he says, Heathrow, Roman Airport, Mozambique. <laughs> <laughs> Mozambique. <laughs> and then. Because uh, they ran out of money to pay for flights. And they started leaving guys. <laughs> and then he convinces them. How? He starts giving him jobs. He's like, you went to school once. Uh, yeah. He, you're superintendent. He gives them high-ranking positions in in the town that are meaningless. Yeah. Because no one lives there anymore. It is it is purely a destination like Epcot. Yes. To just buy shit related to gold. <laughs> Who here feels like they could be a brain surgeon? And they'll raise their hands. Yeah, one guy's <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. He's like, you're the brain surgeon. Yeah. And he makes Homer the, um, the slaw dog. Oh, yeah. The manager of the slaw dog stand. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. He does get a promotion later, and then it's revoked. Yeah. But, Back uh, to the slaw dog for you. <laughs> <laughs> Molina, good. Molina, good. He understood the assignment. He's at least committing to something. Yeah. Fraser, let's be honest. He's like, he's not doing much. I don't know what Fraser's doing in this he's, movie. He's, not ha he's, he's very openly not happy with this movie or this performance. Yeah. And you see why. Like... Like what's he doing? He's just he's saying lines and he's like he's doing his like chipper optimism thing. Yeah, which he's good at. But in this, it's just like he'll just walk in and be like, "Wow, that's great, tremendous." And then he gets hit in the head with a yeah, plywood. and he gets hit in the head with a plywood and like he tumbles down a well and you know, yeah. boom. I think it's a giant at this point bump when appears. like Dudley's life is going into shambles because Snidely like sneaks into the fort and like scares horse away. Mm -hmm. So he loses horse for the, in, the like we never see horse again until the very end of the film. Like that is it for horse. Yeah. Like, horse just doesn't appear again. They said, fuck these animals. We ain't yeah. shooting with them anymore. Um, and uh, then he gets a visit by Nell's father who's like the canadian mountie general yes. or whatever the fuck like by robert prosky mm -hmm. yeah who is like you're not worthy of your name you're not worthy of your power no. you're not worthy who's like it's like i cast you out who's like a really respected respectable like american character actor who usually kind of talks like this and for some reason they have him doing this like all right uh, cheerio good chap <laughs> And then, like, after he casts Brandon Fraser into the Bifrost, away yeah. from the Canadian uh, yeah. wilderness, he then holds the hat and says, if he, whoever should be worthy, shall wear this hat, and then throws the hat yeah. into the Bifrost. <laughs> we, we did miss two things that occur. One of I don't them, think we did. something I'm very mad about, one of them, a scene that occurs. When Nell appears, she's describing, like, he's like, I haven't seen you in, like, three years. She's like, yeah, since I did that, I went and I got a business degree at Yale and a political science degree at Harvard. And then I did. I was a lawyer or something. And she's like, I was the U.S. ambassador to Guam. And then I started. I'm like, bro, Guam doesn't have a fucking ambassador. It's part of the U.S. It's literally a territory. That would be like me saying, um, yeah, the ambassador to Pennsylvania. Like, no. I do consider you to be the ambassador to Pennsylvania. Though. Thank you. To like, you it's a it's a great honor. I want to thank Joe Biden for uh, instilling me with this job. 
It is uh, true, folks. I have been recently appointed the ambassador to Pennsylvania. How are our relations with the Pennsylvanians right now, Jeff? Um, there's a reason I'm in Illinois right now. It's because <laughs> things are shaky. <laughs> um, so I'm here to shore up some relationships when the, uh, you know, the state war breaks out. Right. Um, Whose side are you on? Guam's. Guam's. <laughs> yes. Under the um, lead of Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> <laughs> what if, like, a war broke out in the U.S.? Careful. And, like, Sarah Jessica Parker was, like, your general. She was the, the Joan of Arc of, yeah. of, of uh, the Lower East Side of New York City. Like, things just get so bad in this country. Like, there's no entertainment. Like, you know, power is scarce. You can't watch anything. Like, you can't do anything. Celebrities, like, get drafted into the service. The and only just, movies like, made are John Voight movies. And Yes, yeah, some, for some reason, John Voight's still making movies. Who's the, who's the guy who they have the high school named after him and Family Guy? Oh, oh. He's like the really conservative actor, James Woods. James oh, Woods. Just, oh J- no, James Woods, John. Do Boyd not speak that name on this podcast. Oh, we go back with James Woods. What's the best James Woods thing we've covered? Uh, welcome back, Cotter. Because <laughs> it was before he was a bleeding conservative. Yeah. Um, crazy. Sir, so, I don't know if I talked about this in the Welcome Back Cotter episode. Uh, James Woods. He, like, extreme conservative, like, very far right. Um, very entertaining in a lot of movies. I like his performances. He's good in Casino, yada, yada, yada. Um, contact, all that. Big video game guy. And because he voiced Hades in Hercules. Oh, did he? Yes. He's Hades in her, And he's great. Like, he's so funny as Hades. But because of that, he has continued to play Hades in every video, like, Disney video game. Including Kingdom Hearts. And I don't know if you've ever played Kingdom Hearts. I have not. Um, Me neither. It's like the most bug nuts game. It's like anime char- Final Fantasy anime characters meet like Mickey Mouse and they're fighting like demons from hell or some crazy shit like that. But if you ever watch a clip of it, it'll be like James Woods as Hades just being there like, hey, what's the big idea? <laughs> I'm here with you with the Keyblade War. You know, I'm talking with Sora and, and Zeon and all. <laughs> You're like, what is going on? Imagine if in God of War, <laughs> yeah, who, whoever is the voice actor for Kratos at this time goes up against Hades, yeah. voiced, voiced by, by James, James Woods, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, it's great, it's tremendous, well. I I've come for my revenge, and then James Woods like, hey, you know, Kratos, I I think we can work this out, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the juxtaposition of Christopher Judge versus yeah. James Woods. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's like, you will see the fury of my axe. And he's like, I, you know, I don't really think that's necessary. Uh, uh, light. See, see the fury. It's really cool. It's really dark in here. You know, can we pay some electricity? Turn the lights up. <laughs> I don't even fucking know. Um, this movie is, where were we? Like, anyway, so Sarah Jessica Parker yeah, Sarah is the Jessica ambassador Park. to United States territory. Yes. Um, which means she's clearly lying. Never idiot. Um, <laughs> He's so mad. <laughs> the other thing we missed is that Dudley's house is blown up. Yeah, I forgot fired. about that. Homer comes is... and lays a bunch of um, he TNT. Bring, he brings a six-pack of dynamite. Of dynamite. So he came to the party with a six-pack of dynamite. The pregnant pause between six-pack and dynamite is really what sets up the scene. <laughs> yeah. And we have the situational irony of knowing that Dudley Do-Right is terrified of vampires. And so he sets up a cardboard cutout of a Mountie and sticks it in the window so the vampires think someone is there all the time. Yeah. In doing so, tricking Homer into thinking Dudley is inside this house. Anyways. Yeah. 
And then he blows up. And that's when he, Dudley comes back, yeah. sees the blown up fort. And then Nell's dad shows up mm-hmm. and strips his titles and like banishes mm-hmm. him into the wilderness. Yes, because his house is blown up. Homer survives, though he does get like cooked. You know what would rule? Well, if there was like actually a, vampi- a vampiric invasion, invasion of some sort. Or even just one. Just like, like if one just happened to be there. No, but the thing is like if vampires tried to take over the world and like you're like well stocked from the grocery store. Like, you're set for a little bit. And you can just, like, open your door and just sit there and watch them stand outside your door. Because you have to invite them Yeah, you got to invite them in. Can't come in. Well, that's the problem. And they're going to be like, hey, can I come in? And you're like, Argh. That's my issue with, like, whole the concept of vampire epidemics and pandemics of, like, guys, just stay home. Yeah, don't invite them inside. Don't invite them inside. Like, what's so hard about that? And go out during the day. Well, if you run out I don't want to, like, be that dude, but we literally just had a pandemic and people <laughs> refused to stay inside. <laughs> Fuck. So I want to say as an example, Fuck. not the greatest one. <laughs> God damn. Damn. Wow. Like, <laughs> it would literally be like flesh eating zombies out there and be like, stay inside. Blah, blah, blah. Like, like, you can't tell you me can't what to do. do. You know that those aren't zombies, right? Zombies aren't real. <laughs> I've never seen one. Therefore, it's like, that's just a guy. It's like, no, it's a vampire. It's like, I don't know. It's like the news interval. It's like the news. Tucker's say, it's like, telling me something else. It's like the, 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 the zombie pandemic is very prominent in like rural counties because it's all the conservative people who won't stay the fucking side. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, we lost Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee. Those are all the states to go. Yeah. You, you painted that as a negative, but <laughs> <laughs> it might be a win. <laughs> If we lost you Ohio. Know what, Indiana already is a wasteland you know full of zombies. Bring the fucking vampires on. <laughs> oh, my God. It's amazing. You guys have seen What We Do in the Shadows? No. The I've seen I've seen a couple of episodes of the show. The, the best bit in the movie is that they're trying to go out clubbing, but they can't go into the clubs unless the bouncer invites them inside. <laughs> oh, my God. So they're like, also, like a group of them, and they're stuck at the front door, and they're trying to get the bouncer to say, please come inside, instead of just like gesturing them in. <laughs> they're like, oh, but can we come inside? Because <laughs> like, yeah, I don't see why not. Like, can you invite us inside? <laughs> Oh my god! It's a great, it's a great scene. It's good shit. It's good okay. shit. So Nell is with Snidely. I don't want to talk about this movie. Anymore. Dudley decides he's gonna he's gonna become Dudley Do Wrong. Uh, no, Eric Idle is the one who inspires. Yeah, he's convinced him. to become Dudley Do Wrong. Yeah, because he's like, well, if doing the right thing is not working for you, sometimes to do the right thing, you need to do the wrong thing. Because Snidely Whiplash has bolstered the economy of Whiplash City and has given a lot of people jobs and money. And so, therefore, you could say that Snidely is the good guy. And so, to fight the good guy, you have to become the The bad bad guy. guy. Like, you know the part in Harry Potter where he's like, you know, sometimes the right thing done for the wrong reasons can still be... Or the wrong thing done for the right reasons can be the right thing. Something about that. Some line like that. And Harry fucking Potter or something like that. That punk bitch. Um, <laughs> Isn't it right before he's convinced to be Dudley Do Wrong? He's told that the only the way to defeat Snidely, like the the reasoning he should be Dudley Do Wrong. Can you just is think because, about the the words that are just you're just <laughs> like like right before he's convinced to be Dudley Do Wrong, he has to talk to Snidely, <laughs> Snidely Whiplash, and he's convinced to steal. Like he, they see the gold coming in. Yeah, and they're like, "You, you have to steal that," and that's when he gets convinced to become wrong, and they have their weird like yeah. dojo session. Yeah, 
But then in that same scene, we see these men carting in bags of gold bullion. Yeah. Like pounds and pounds of gold. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up just a minute ago. The price per ounce of gold in 1999 was $311 <laughs> per Holy ounce, fuck. which adjusted for inflation is like $1,700 right now. Yeah. And Man. so... There's no way it's economically feasible yeah, for Stanley to be bringing in money, buying gold, and then melting it down and shooting it into the earth. And he has to pay these henchmen. And I mean, it's just like the transportation of gold to Whiplash City. Yeah. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's I, pre- not working. I presume the hustle is people find the gold, fence it, Sell get the it money, and back. spend the money back into the town. But even at this point, it's supply and demand, guys. This this economic system is is in it's trickle down it's economics. Like, it's like folks. people people are buying shovels and t shirts at like the local store. All of these yeah. American immigrants are just buying like gold themed merch. Can you say that phrase money. one more time? American immigrants buy <laughs> the, the migrant caravan of Americans into Canada. <laughs> they show up. They breach the unprotected border. <laughs> And then they proceed as the as American immigrants to just purchase gold themed merchandise. Where was that scene in the movie, like in Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, when Aragorn shows up to Minas Tirith with his ghost army who washes Minas Tirith clean of yeah. the orcs? Where was that scene when Brendan Fraser shows up with his army of Mounties and they pretty much work like ice and they just wash over Whiplash City and mm. deport all the Americans back? Get them out! <laughs> it's just like. And it's like release us, and they're like, "You have purged Whiplash you have City." Your it's like go now in peace, and then they just they turn around on their horses so they're facing the opposite way, and then the horses ride away. <laughs> That's how they leave. But the Mounties, like, they show up and do nothing. No, because well, we can get to that later. Actually, there's one scene left to talk about. I think before we just get to the finale, and it's there's uh, there's actually a dance sequence. Oh god! Um, that I actually kind of like. Is it what Fraser as the eagle? No, no, <laughs> no! <laughs> what the fuck was no, that? It's not that. <laughs> it's the scene before that. <laughs> Shut down. Where? 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 It's the scene where Snidely has like a reception. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about now. And he's dancing with Nell, and there's like a back and forth dance fight. Yeah. Between the two of them dancing with Nell. Right. And there's like some old pop band performing. Kind of like that scene, the dance choreography was fun. Yeah, it did feel much like it was the inspiration for the opening scene of Babylon. Yes, of course. I mean, everybody who made a movie in 2022 actually had to watch Dudley Deer, right? It was passed um, in the Inflation Reduction Act that all movies made in 2022 had to in some way be inspired by Dudley Deer, right? But wait, you could also argue, and I do believe this to be true, and this is pre-Inflation Reduction Act, that Justin Lin got his idea for the dirt bike sequence in Star Trek Beyond from the dirt bike sequence that we would see Dudley Do-Right pull off when... After only 20 minutes before seeing hundreds of pounds of gold bullion being brought in, he steals two paltry bags of gold, <laughs> roughly the size of a small bag of gold, and then just rides away with that. And that's the gold. That's the gold caper. Oh, my God. It feels like three grand, maybe. Like, at, at, at most. Yeah. 
Oh my god, this fucking. But the dance sequence. So there's that dance sequence, then there's another dance sequence that leads into the final fight. I don't want to talk about this one. But isn't the dance he like goes he goes to find refuge with the Brook the Kumquat tribe? <laughs> And that's how he ends up participating in the <laughs> yes. dance sequence as the eagle. Having worn, this will be the second animal head that he's worn in this movie. The first, <laughs> the first being a moose head gag. Um, where he, I mean, we, we get that for roughly 90 seconds too much. <laughs> and so again, if you just cut that scene from the movie, the weird eagle dance sequence, <laughs> we still could have gotten to the end without losing it in a faster anything. pace. At a faster pace, yeah. And this tribe, all their dance sequences, if you guys notice, are centered around the worship of corn. Yeah, because it's, it's the corn festival or something they're He's going to celebrate. like that. I don't know. But there's one like It's like Native a bunch American of white character. writers in a room. They're like, what are they dancing about? I don't know, corn or something. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this movie. <laughs> Stuart is um, in the multiverse of madness right now. I am. Sam, I remember when you had like you were last on this podcast and you had like a great movie to talk about. <laughs> I'm arguably the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> right. And now how did you get on this movie? So, well <laughs> We should have done this at the beginning of the show, but Jeff sends me this email. Jeff and I who haven't talked since I was on the swordfish <laughs> <laughs> sends me an email and he says or a text and he's like, Hey, you know, Travolting, Travolting's done. We're on to Fraser's Edge, a name I would forget. Um, and remember right as we started to record this podcast and he says, uh, we're set, we're see just taking a poll, see who wants to do what. And I saw Dudley do right. And I was like, yeah, that's the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie that I liked <laughs> as a kid. I want to talk about that. Um, and then I proceeded to, to not watch the movie over the course. I mean, it must've been six or seven months ago. You texted yeah. me. And then Jeff texted me two weeks ago and he says, are you free on the 22nd? And I, I tell myself in these next two weeks, I'm going to watch Dudley do right. <laughs> And these next two weeks becomes last night at 7 p.m. When I'm like, I have to fucking watch this movie. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. And that is when I realized my mistake. <laughs> but this was not the movie I remembered as a child. <laughs> but in fact, a much, much worse movie than I could have anticipated. Um, I went to rent it on Apple. And I saw it had a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I, I, I had no choice. I had to commit. It was too late to back out. It was too late to not watch the movie. Man. And here we are talking about Dudley talking Dewar. about it next day. I've forgotten half the scenes that we've talked about. <laughs> they do have, this is around the time when the narrator's just like, and this is when Dudley became Studley. Yes. And I just yeah. wanted to really send you over yes. the edge with that. No, reminder. that that I would call that the, uh, the turning point. The beginning of Act 3, really. Yeah. He crosses his point of no return and becomes Dudley Do-Wrong. But this is when Snidely gets informed uh, that Dudley is taking refuge at the Kumquat tribe. Yes. So he launches a full-scale, substantial invasion. What I wrote on my in my notes was a he launches a robust aquatic assault. <laughs> <laughs> These are like war boats with machine guns mounted on them, and it's like an army coming at this tribe on like a a, a lake. And a D-Day style uh, invention. Oh, yeah. sorry, uh, invasion, um, ripped straight from the work of Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yes. yes, and like. Dudley do wrong. The general as he is goes to the chief and yeah. is like, "Do we have any weapons here?" It's like we're a theater production. What the fuck do you mean? And he's like, "Wait, 
do you have fireworks? Yeah. And so they start their defenses by launching fireworks at Snedley's forces. So I want to give this movie a small sprinkling of credit. The effects work in the last 15 minutes or so. Actually, pretty cool. It's the clear- effects and stunt work is well done. It's a clear a majority of the money went into the final 10 minute yes. fight sequence. Yeah. Which begs the question why this movie ends with a fight sequence. An unprecedented one. One yeah. that, that have we had just never thought about happening in a children's yeah. movie. And like I've never I've not <clears throat> seen much Dudley Do Right cartoon, but I don't think many of them end with like a D-Day invasion. Cuz then they the fireworks don't work. They still get to like the tribe. And the tribe retreats. They go up this hill. And so what do they do? They start rolling rock, throwing rocks at them. And so they're throwing rocks. Like, we need bigger rocks. So they roll these Indiana Jones-style boulders. Huge boulders. Immovable boulders, except by glacial power. (laughs) And yet somehow they push them down the hill. (laughs) They're just, like, knocking out the guys. And that's when we get the line. It's like, why? how are they getting all these big rocks? All we have are these machine guns. I finished up my notes. I have no more notes. (laughs) And and so then the, the army gets up the hill and they're running across the plains and it's like we need more firepower and then that's when like in saving private ryan when they're taking shelter in the town ready to defend the bridge and you hear the wheels turning and it's the panther tanks cut back to this movie the wheels are turning we look and we see two world war ii style tanks rolling at them with troops on both sides (laughs) see the imagery that i got is from um the amazing david iyer movie um uh, Fury. Fury during that King Tiger tank sequence where yes. they have to fight it. And it is I'll, basically the same scene. Almost identical. <laughs> Oddly enough, he's um, not wrong. In terms of actually how it plays out as well, um, which can only lead me to believe <laughs> David Ayer. that David Ayer cried when he saw that sequence and said, <laughs> Brad Pitt's going to star in my rendition of this scene. <laughs> it's going to be me, Brad, and Shia. <laughs> and uh, so they're on the run, and that's when we get the... Uh, my girlfriend said it perfectly. It was it's the Microsoft uh, background? Yes, the Windows XP background <laughs> with horse standing at the top. It's the first thing I thought of. It's like it's the it's the Windows XP backdrop, and it's with horse photoshopped on it, and it's really like Gandalf's return in two towers yeah. of like Theoden King stands alone. Dudley Do Right stands, stands alone. alone, and the horse is like. <laughs> Brendan Fraser looks he looks to the east on the morning on the dawn of the seventh day and the horse blows a raspberry at him. <laughs> For the do right For the kumquat <laughs> And then we see horse comes over the hill and he rides down and as he's doing that the rest of the riders of the Rohirrim but the Mounties emerge Except they proceed to do nothing. They don't do anything. What do they do? They stand there while two tanks just absolutely miss from what is a distance of maybe 100 feet away. Maybe. There's a crazy effects rig in this scene, though. When he's on the horse. Yeah, so do right. And the tanks just... Dudley gets on the horse and, like, it's absolutely a stunt double, but, like, starts 
going full charge at the tanks. Yeah. Tanks are firing their, like, shells. Folks, this is a kid's movie based on Dudley <laughs> We are not lying when we say. It's, <laughs> it sounds like we're talking about 1917, but in fact, it is Dudley do right. <laughs> There is dirt exploding everywhere. The Mortar camera, rigging. The camera is tight on Brendan Fraser as he and Horse barrel towards these tanks, and there are just explosions of dirt all over and the place. And they're, like, missing the horse. Like, it doesn't look like a composite. It looks like just really intense effects and stunt work. Yeah. The horse is, like, riding the, like, feet away from it. Yeah. Horse then takes a shell almost straight to the body, <laughs> explodes, but doesn't. <laughs> And then him and Brendan Fraser get up, not a speck of dirt on their bodies, despite being surrounded by it for this this hundred meter dash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then he sprints at the tank. And this is like verbatim Lord of the Rings, yeah. Return of the King, as they hear him charge against the yeah. Mordor forces to defend Minas Tirith, and, and like, Gah! so he runs at the tanks. The tanks are like. Rotating their guns further inward as he gets closer until he does the classic move. As Who J- as could J- have seen this as coming? General Patton had done in the African front. <laughs> <laughs> Where he runs in between the tanks. The tanks now aiming at each other. And rather than looking through like the portholes to see, oh, we're aiming at each other. No, they just launch the fucking shells and blow up both tanks with Snidely inside. <laughs> Marking the second time <laughs> Snidely will face a life-threatening scenario. He's in an exploding tank! And emerge... Homer is too. And emerge slightly dusty from the other side. <laughs> what is this movie? <laughs> so they explode and then they get ar- Snidely and Homer get arrested by the Mounties. And then you get to the end and you just sort of wonder, what was... What was the filmmaker trying to tell me? <laughs> and what I think was the it, in, in, intent here? I think it turns out nothing. Because <laughs> we, we gain nothing at the end of the film. It's just your classic You gotta versus... be a bad boy to do the right yeah. thing, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And then he becomes a good guy again. And he gets the girl. Who's like, oh, I, guess I, I guess I like good guys. And you're like, that was what this was all for? That? He gets his uniform back. His hat back. His horse back. His horse back. His girl back. His girl. And then the... The, uh, the, 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 four, the four essential food groups. <laughs> and the movie just ends with your classic... Well, you. You know, she pulls the shade down on their makeout sesh, because it's a kid's movie. Yeah. And then we cut to the horse. And Who just farts. like the Looney Tunes, the little circle closes in on him, and all we're left with, with is his snout, and he blows a raspberry just one more time for good measure. <laughs> And then the snout disappears and the credits roll. <laughs> That's fucking Dudley do right. More we, like Dudley no good. <laughs> we didn't talk about the evil Knievel scene though. When he on the dirt bike drives over oh, the, yeah. the the Grand Canyon <laughs> with I mean there's he just, the Canadian Grand he Canyon. He just drives straight off the edge of the cliff and is somehow lifted into the air. Over the course of... And gravity has no effect on him. It's sheer Canadian Mountie power. Over the course of several hundred feet and lands on the other side. And right before this, he successfully knocks down a guy by blowing water all over him using the rear tire of his dirt mm-hmm. bike. Yeah. Greatest stunt performer of all time. Mm-hmm. What a... What a... It's just what a... What a movie. 
I want to say that I was glad to revisit my past <laughs> and revisit something that I loved as a child. Are you? But unlike Swordfish, <laughs> this movie just does not hold up. No. This, um, I would say this, this doesn't just not hold up. It just that doesn't work. I, yeah, I don't think it worked in 99. Evidently, it didn't. Jeff, I'm very shocked ratings. because I watched this movie and I texted you <clears throat> last night. And I'm like, have you seen Do Right yet? And he's like, no, I'm waiting for tomorrow morning. And I said, it might be the best movie you've ever Stuart, this is seen. one of those movies that I did not enjoy the process of watching, but I'm going to enjoy talking about for years to come. Like, I'm just going to be talking to people. I'm like, you know, this is a Dudley Do-Right movie that ends with a World War II sequence. The real treasure of Dudley Do-Right are the friends we made yeah. along the way. It's this conversation we were able to have today. Uh, do we want to know how what happened after this movie came out? Yes. This crisp 77-minute um, masterpiece. Released by Universal on August 27th of 1999. 1999, notably one of the great years for movies. Brendan's on a hot streak. Uh, the Mummy had just come out. Massive success. Also in theaters, um, you know, knocking it back. The Matrix was a big hit this year. The Phantom Menace is still controlling the charts. You got, you know, movies like Fight Club coming up. Good year. Austin Powers. Yeah, baby, yeah! <laughs> um, get that reaction. You knew it. Um, and then this little movie comes out. Um, a described box office bomb. <laughs> it makes... <laughs> Three million in its opening weekend. Number 11. <laughs> Can't even cr uh, crack the top 10. Goes on to gross 9 million domestic. Oh my God. 9.9 .9 million. Still not half of its budget. Yes. A $22 million budget. Comes out to absolute disastrous reviews. Currently has a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. Gets a C plus cinema score. A C plus? Uh, that would keep is, you on the football team. That... For cinema score, anything below an A minus is bad. It's inexplicably bad. <laughs> cinema, like they'll be like, yeah, the new Marvel movie got a B plus cinema score. Not gonna do so well. And I'm like, B plus. <laughs> and like, yeah, everyone comes out of cinema score and gives things an A. It's really hard for me to imagine. When, when did when did this movie come out in '99? August twenty seventh. It's really hard to imagine. I don't know when the Matrix come out, but it's really hard for me to see a world. Where The Matrix has just hit theaters, Fight Club has just hit theaters, and Universal decides Dudley. this is the correct market to release this movie. <laughs> uh, maybe they were writing off the success of Saving Private Ryan from a year ago, hoping that their their fight sequence in the end could bring us back to the opening sequence of that. But <clears throat> here are the here here are the top five box office movies in the year nineteen ninety nine. Um, that made billions more than Dudley Duray. Number one was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Number two was The Sixth Sense. Number three was Toy Story 2. Number four was The Matrix. Number five was Tarzan. And then number six was The Mummy. Hmm. Just worthy of, of noting. So Brendan Fraser is commanding okay. two of the top ten spots. <laughs> yes, with Dudley. Of 99. Clearly making billions on the back end. Uh, but no, th wow. this movie is thankfully for him quickly forgotten. Yeah, doesn't make an we, impact. We don't forget. He is able to make it out of this basically scot free because uh, everyone's like, "The mummy was so fun!" Yeah, mommy, mommy, mommy. People are cheering in the the stands. <laughs> <laughs> 
of the Coliseum. Yeah, <laughs> They're showing the mummy in the middle, but like if you're only if you're like sitting in front of it, if you're on one of the sides, you only hear it. Um, trying to think if there's anything remotely interesting about this movie post-release. What are Brendan Fraser's gripes with this movie? Um. He was very. He was just unhappy with the final result of the film and with the film's deviations from the Dudley Do Right show. Gotcha. Which, as we all know, Fraser being a very hell bent fan of. Yeah. Uh, Fraser specifically is, said is he? he was very opposed <laughs> to the idea. I don't know if he was a fan, but he cared deeply about the character in production. Gotcha. And he was mad that Dudley had to break the law to defeat Whiplash because he's like Dudley should stick within the bounds of the law. Yeah. Um, for the entire structure of this show or for this movie. I mean, that's 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 a reasonable complaint, I think. So you, you can kind of see Fraser checking out halfway through this movie, I feel like. like he's just like, oh, whatever. The mummy is yeah, he, coming out. I'm going to be fine. He just showed up, delivered some lines, fell yeah. out of a chair, <laughs> got hit in the head with some planks of wood. Like and Alfred Molina was the one who like liked the taste of the sandwich he was eating the most. Yeah, he was bathing in the river of ham. He really was. Yeah, he was. In he was soaking in it. He was having a nice marinating, ham, a in nice it. bite of a honey roast ham with with some mustard on it. Oh, sourdough oh. bread. You can almost see his genius then represented again in Spider Man Two <laughs> yeah. as Doc Ock. Yeah, almost identical. What character. if he had done this voice in Spider Man Two? What if he had if done this like, voice in Spider-Man 2 and the Doc Ock voice in Dudley Do-Right? <laughs> Hello, Dudley. Hello, Peter. And then like, when No Way Home comes out, he has to commit to the voice <laughs> he again. He do it again. <laughs> the pearl of the sun in the palm of my hand, see? My rose is dead. My dream is dead. <laughs> and these monstrous things, things should be at the bottom of the river. Good. With me! <laughs> With the mustache. With the mustache. With the mustache. Yeah. You have to include the mustache. Uh, Otto Octavius. Yeah. What a fucking guy. What a good guy. What a great role. What a good, what a good guy. Oh, yeah. I don't care about his role. He's a good guy. He's a, he's a good guy. He did some bad things. He made some mistakes. He had a dream, and he had a love, and I think it just, you know. One day, you know, create sustainable energy 15 years before anyone else in this country gave a rat's ass about sustainable energy. Yeah. We just had a big fusion breakthrough, you know. Um, did we? We yeah. did, yeah. American scientists just made a big fusion breakthrough recently, and I think, you know, Otto Octavius should get some credit for that. I didn't know about this. He died 15 this years. about three months ago. And they're saying fusion now is actually 20 years away. Because oh. it's been 20 years away since the 1940s. Yeah. Right. Um, but they made the breakthrough. They're like, okay, we can actually start. They actually generated more energy than they put in. Oh, okay. For the first time. Wow. Neato. Yeah. Um, they just had to, you know, secure the precious tritium. <laughs> yeah. That only Oscorp could provide. Yeah. Uh, for some reason. Happy to do it, Otto. The weird, the weird thing is that they did find the tritium in James Franco's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> he stole the tritium prop, but it was made of actual tritium. Like, Biden had to sign off. They had to send FBI guys to James Franco's house because he was hoarding all the tritium. Speaking of fake materials, though, the true saving grace of Avatar 2 was that nobody ever said the word unobtainium. They had, um, what do they call it? Um, whale the brain whale, juice. The whale brain juice. And yeah. they call it... Um, 
Ambro- ambrosia, I think. It's like ambrosia. Oh, something. do they really? They call something like that. I thought it was forever, like, you forever, know, forever. Ill. You know, I fucking hope not. <laughs> sucks for them because this thing it just like stops human aging, like stops it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna get out of it, get into it. <laughs> I love the fucking guy in that movie, the Australian. He's gonna be back in the next one. He's gonna have like a harpoon arm. It's gonna be great, dude. That was. That was so good. I can't wait for Avatar. Who's got the harpoon now? No <laughs> <laughs> fucking whale. I've solely seen that movie one time. That's enough. I've seen it. I will four never times. see it again. Seeing it a fifth time on Saturday because people keep asking to see it with me, and I cannot say no because I do actually. You keep see seeing it. it in 3D though, right? 3D Dolby high frame rate. Fuck. I felt like in that opening sequence when they're being shot at by the Marines, it felt like there was a little man behind my chair with two hammers just going like this on the back <laughs> of it, just fucking beating the shit. I mean, I was, that was, I was vibrating in that theater. <laughs> I was vibrating that theater, but for other reasons. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> um. All right. All right well. I think it's time to close this out. Any final thoughts on Dunlake 2 Ray? No. Do you think we got it? I, I, I barely had any like originating thoughts. <laughs> Undoubtedly, do right. I still am not really sure what, what I watched last night. Um, the plot really only became evident to me during the invasion sequence after he steals the gold. When I was like, "Oh, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing." Yeah. Even well, and they do. I mean, there's even a narrator to spell it out for you, yeah. and the movie is still terribly confusing. Yes. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, with that in mind, thank you so much for listening to our episode on Dudley Do Right. We hope you do right and uh, make sure to like, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Pop to our Reddit, r slash Travolting. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at TravoltingPod. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff W. Sweeney. Stuart, anything you want to plug? Nope. Sam, anything you want to plug? Uh, no, but I was just on the r slash Travolting subreddit a couple days ago, and it's a little little quiet there. Yeah, there has not been a post um, since, I think, uh, 2021. Yeah. I still plug it every time and hope someone will say will do something, um, but is it full, it's a fool's gold situation. Maybe we should plant it with fake accounts like just, Snidely Whiplash yeah, did. Yeah, Snidely, <laughs> Snidely fans. Snidely Whiplash did and no wrong. A semi-good valley. Uh, semi- Bring in the tourist. Um, but yes, and finally, special thanks, as always, to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum-Smith for the theme music that's taking you out and Ange Gardner for our social media. Wait, he did the theme music? Yeah. I did not know that. That dude's so talented. He's the best guy. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, he, he does our theme. What the fuck? He's like out in LA, like being super successful yeah. right now. And he still does our music. And he still does, he does new rend- He does new renditions for all our new Are you likes. fucking serious? Yeah. Dude, that's hilarious. He just did our Christmas uh, music like uh, three weeks ago. That's amazing. I had no idea this whole time. Yeah. He's been on the show. He was on uh, Gotti and um, what's the other one he was on? Uh, Michael. He's on Michael because his name is Michael. I think those are the two episodes that I didn't listen to. So I just, <laughs> you know, happened to miss that. <laughs> I'm still recording. <laughs> yes. Well, of course, this this has to go in. Um, but yes, thank you, folks. And see you next week for our episode on... Oh my goodness, I am slacking so hard right now. Wow, Jeff. This is just our episode on Sinbad Beyond the Veil of Mists. <laughs> A logical follow up to Dudley Dure. With Brian DeLisi. Yes, with Brian DeLisi. It's going to be great, folks. Have a great week, folks. See ya. Uh...